Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest and my friend and fellow fisherman, Mr. Patrick Hagens from MHP Communities. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds to head over to iTunes to rate this with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Patrick Hagens, founder of MHP Communities LLC, is the sole owner and operator of a six mobile home park portfolio worth around $25 million. Patrick and his fiance built a 25 state database of mobile home park owners and mailed out brochures and cold called to find deals. With their dedication, they have bought a mobile home park every year since 2018. These investments have enabled them to move to Alaska and hunt and fish all over the world, fulfilling a lifelong dream. Patrick, we are excited to welcome you to the show, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Would you mind starting out by telling our listeners a little bit about your story and how in the world you got into manufactured housing, of all things? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I was the bug was put in my head uh, as a kid when my dad kind of had me as sweat labor for his rentals. You know, I'd go paint that fence and help me with this hot water heater and whatever. I, you know, was, wasn't too thrilled about all that, but I was like, after a while, I kind of started to step back and think, okay, this isn't such a bad thing. If you're on the other side of the table, instead of the guy, you know, doing all the, the fixing, but uh, he got the bug started, definitely trained me on work ethic, you know? And so you combine those two and I just, started into it real small and uh, right out of high school, built a duplex and just kind of grew from there. Yeah. Did a duplex, just did a subdivision uh, that didn't go well. I learned a, learned the hard way on that and did storage and apartments and just really bounced around trying to find my niche and then got a kind of a tip on mobile home parks. And just uh, as soon as I found that out and kind of started doing some research, I knew that was that was the path for me and kind of took off from there. So what was the tip? Was it from your dad or somebody else in the space? I actually sent, I recommended that my aunt go to a rich dad conference. And after they got back from the conference, they had said uh, that the, you know, that they got that tip while they were there that, you know, mobile home parks was kind of the hot thing and where to be. And I hadn't really thought about it. So yeah, started digging into it. And of course found Frank Rolf and his stuff online and, immediately booked his boot camp. And ironically, about that same time, my other my portfolio was cash flowing enough that I, I could quit. So actually, I quit my job and just started looking for parks. And uh, yeah, so wow. it, sound, it sounds dramatic. I just quit my job and started looking for parks. But it was it was perfect timing. But that's exactly what it did. That's so awesome. And what year was that, Patrick? That was 2015. Yeah, 2015. Awesome. Yeah, that was right around the same time as me. We're like, you know, there's a transition to going full time into it. We ended up not right. buying our first park, though, until like 2017. Uh, well, you just, beat me. I didn't get learning. one bought till 2018. So 2018. Yeah. I mean, there's so much yeah. to learn. You know, it's like drinking from a fire hose. But you did attend the MHU boot camp. 
I did. Yep. Actually, a couple times went back and just, you know, brought some friends and I soaked up, you know, even more, you know, more stuff on the second round. So that's so awesome. And where are you from originally, Patrick? I uh, grew up in uh, Iowa, central Iowa. Central Iowa. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. wow. So do you own parks in Iowa? I do. Yep. So we've got four in Iowa and then, yeah, I moved to Wyoming. I actually lived in Wyoming for 15 years. So I bought in Wyoming and Iowa. It seems like I buy where I'm comfortable with where I've lived, uh, what it kind of seems like. And that's probably, probably why, but yeah, I've got two parks in Wyoming and four in Iowa. That's along so awesome. with my original portfolios in Iowa as well. Gosh. And that's more single family and, and duplexes and things like that. Yeah, single family duplexes, senior apartment, uh, and a large storage facility. Okay, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that is fantastic. And, and Patrick, maybe you could tell us, like, what do you, what does the perfect mobile home park look like to you? You know, like, what, what does one of your portfolio parks look like, or, or the perfect park? Well, we've got one. I won't say where it's at, but I, that's probably what I would classify as my, as my favorite. Uh, it could be a little bigger. That'd be nicer, but. It's just in a in a great market, you know. Median home prices is, is near four hundred thousand. Mm. Uh, apartment rents are you know over two two bedroom apartment rents are over a thousand, and uh, yeah, just demand. There's like a waiting list for people to get in there. I don't have to, you know, get involved with bringing homes in or anything. It's just it's a kind of a feeding frenzy to to find a to buy a home once one comes available, and so. Honestly, it's just easy to run and, and uh, the tenants kind of are, are a really good group of tenants and they take care of the park very well. They, they actually get after me if, if uh, something's not quite going right. They're like, hey, this doesn't look good. We got to get this cleaned up. And I'm like, Let's yeah, so that's yeah. my perfect park. <laughs> that's fantastic. What are the utilities set up? Is it public? Is it private? Is that a big oh. you know, thing for you when you look to invest? It is. I always just go city water, city sewer. I will look at some other utilities, but I've been pretty fortunate to get all city city utilities. Of course, direct build. Got a couple that are direct built in the city. That's a plus. But yeah, all city services and and a couple of the those, direct yeah. the direct build thing is like a, the great white buffalo, right? Like that is like the holy grail of mobile home park investing. Is you know you have public utilities, city water, city sewer, so you're not like you know, having a well that you have to maintain and things like that. And then the sewer is not like your own sewer plant or a lagoon or something like that, or no or septic tanks. Oh my goodness. We just replaced right. a ton of lateral lines in a, a park that we own that's on septic. But the direct bill means that the city is billing your tenants for their service based on their usage. So you're out yeah. of the equation as the park owner. And that is like the holy grail. We have a couple of those. And man, the expense ratio on those is like sub 30%. It's yeah. phenomenal. Is it yeah. the same way? Yeah. The one park that I, I've just actually got these last couple parks have been these uh, direct builds. So I'm still, they're still kind of getting leveled out. So I'm not quite nice. uh, down to the 30% expense ratio quite yet, but we're, we're getting there. But yeah, no, that's the magic. I mean, it's just a lot less stuff to do, a lot less management. Totally. And then you mentioned a couple of things about the markets that you look at and like, you know, this market that has your perfect park in it. You said two bedroom apartment rents are more than a thousand a month, which I know, I think Frank talks about that in the MHU bootcamp about like, you know, some certain like, uh, you know, demographic, you know, numbers to look at. 
You also mentioned 400K median home price. So what other metrics do you look at besides those two, apartment rents and median home price to determine a market to invest in? You know, it used to be like Frank always would say, you know, 100,000. That obviously has changed dramatically. You buy in 100,000 median home price in today's numbers, you can get yourself in real in real trouble, in my opinion. Yeah, so same metrics as what Frank looks at. You know, the two-bedroom apartment is kind of a gauge, the vacancy rate. I do look a little bit about home ownership and how, how many people are renters and how many are homeowners to kind of look at the stability of the, the folks in that market. Employers and then what's, you know, what's driving the town? Is it a town in the Midwest that's really off the beaten path or, or is it in a a highly desirable mountain town in the West, you know, it's a big difference there, uh, but, but what yeah. the drivers are and West and Midwest is where I invest. So that's what I'm familiar with, but there's completely different dynamics for those two. And yeah, you can get, we, we I have parks that are, you know, not in the, the highest of, um, you know, median home price areas. And I do struggle a little bit more on, on those parks. So it's just, it all goes, you know, into the pot is trying to evaluate what am I going to be up against? And then, yeah, the park that you're buying, one big thing I like to look at is if there's a bunch of rentals, you know, is the operator uh, not trying to sell those or is he not capable of selling them? Um, Mm. That can be a huge red flag for me. You really want to know why he has rentals. Does he want them or can he, does he have no other choice? Because that's, it's red flag in my opinion. Oh, total, totally. You mentioned a couple of things there. Vacancy rate. Are you just talking about housing vacancy, like on best yeah. places where you're just seeing yep. like, you know, what's exactly. going on there? Because we we look at that too. And we bought in a vacation town of Ludington, that, Michigan. And it's like the say. weirdest thing because like during the summer, the vacancy rate's way down, but like during right. the winter months, it's way up. So it's like, it was like getting to the bottom of why are the, the units vacant? And in that case, right. it worked out. But in other cases, you know, like one park we had in Keokuk, Iowa, which I know we talked yep. about, uh, right. you know, it was a it was a very bad thing, right? Like the market just right. wasn't wasn't you know absorbing. Yeah, so like Keokuk, Iowa, you know, in the southern part of the state, it's it's a little tougher economy down there versus like northern Wisconsin. You, you, you're going to have completely different uh, read on the vacancy rate. Um, Wisconsin's kind of a you know, that, especially that northern part, a lot of people go up there for vacation, a lot of vacation rentals, completely different ballgame. Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, let me hop into some questions here, Patrick. What do you think is the toughest hurdle to overcome in mobile home park investing? For me or for just for somebody? I would say just for anybody that's like looking to, to kind of get in, you know, what's the hardest part about the business? I would say it's probably the operations. Uh, if you don't, you know, if you're looking to, to grow fast and buy these turnaround parks, operations can be, and picking the right market can really be a hurdle, especially if you're not familiar with real estate. Thankfully, I mean, I had some experience coming into real estate, so, it, you know, it was a little easier for me to take the ball and run with it, but it still took me three years to find them. And then once I did get a park bought it, you know, it, it, it's a learning curve for sure. It's not like any other real estate. You're a value was, add guy, right? Like you're not buying stabilized stuff. You're buying stuff you can put work into and sweat equity. That's what I've been doing. Yep. Yep. And I've got lucky and bought a couple parks that were, were stabilized as far as, you know, operations go, not so much on the rent, but yeah, I've been pretty lucky. 
I am, you know, our six parks keep kind of keep me busy. So I'm kind of switching gears a little bit, but uh, yeah, I still like to make the money, right? Like I, I love the money from the turnaround, you know, or the value from a turnaround, but uh, totally. I would say it's, you know, back to your question, um, maybe getting the confidence uh, to just kind of jump in and just buy one and try it. Um, I think if you just, you know, get, get a park and learn from the, uh, from experience, I think that would be, I think that's the best thing anybody can really do a after, of course, going to the boot camp. I highly recommend Frank's boot camp. Yeah. I would say like 95% of the operators that I've interviewed on this podcast have gone to that boot camp. And when yep. someone hasn't been to the boot camp, it like raises a red flag. Like, wait a minute, you, <laughs> right. you haven't been there. And then I kind of dig a little bit and find out that there's like usually issues where they've bought in like a property with private utilities that like ended up leading to issues because they didn't do the right due diligence because they didn't go to the boot camp and they didn't have the handbook. Right. So it's saved a lot of money. But I would say also from every deal we've done, like, you know, to your credit, we've learned something else that wasn't taught in the boot camp because it's only a three-day right. boot camp. There's only so much you can learn. Right. But from every deal we've done, we've added to our due diligence checklist of something yeah. extra to look at to make sure we don't, you know, lose yep. our shorts, you know. Exactly. And you're you're in a lot more markets. So there's, you know, every market's kind of got a different dynamic and every park has a different dynamic where I, I've been, you know, like I was saying earlier in both places where I've lived. So I, mm. I kind of, you know. a little bit, yeah, I'm a little cautious about you know what I buy and and where I buy it, and so uh, I don't know whether I could just never get comfortable in those you know bigger markets uh, or in the south or you know out on the coast, but uh, it's worked for me, and um, yeah, that's what matters, dude. Tell us about your investing strategy in mobile home parks. Like, how does the last mobile home park you bought compare to the first one you bought, and like how has that like strategy changed and and where do you think is like the best, you know, strategy in the marketplace right now for mobile home park investing? Sure. Well, I got really lucky on my first one. My first park was my biggest park, 90 plus spaces. So nice. that was a, that was, that was definitely one to learn on, uh, kind of got thrown to the fire, but our last one was, you know, our parks averaged a little over 50 spaces. Um, the last one was in that neighborhood and, and all, Actually, that was a previous one. It was all park-owned homes, but this last one was just you know direct build and um, city streets and uh, maybe paid. Obviously, the market keeps changing, right? So I paid a little bit more for the this one than I did the the first one. But um, uh, it was in also a neighboring property to the one I already owned, so that that made a uh, a big difference too. But yeah, the first park was ninety spaces, and I wouldn't say it was stabilized. I think it was around uh 70 something percent occupied um in a lot of older homes so we've been you know having to tear down homes bring them in but uh as far as uh, what uh you know what angle to invest in now boy with this interest rate and this market that we're in right now it's i would say definitely go keep at it and then go after the owner financing i mean there's there's that's definitely the uh the angle i would be going at right now yeah. Yeah. I think it's safer if you can get it. It's not always available, but if you're not offering it, when you're talking to sellers, you could be missing the boat because I would say that compared to other asset classes, mobile home parks have more mom and pops and they have mom and pops that have owned these things for a long time. So they have a lot of equity. We, this year, a few months ago, got a hundred percent LTV, uh, $4 million 
uh, seller financed park, 136 wow. lot park, and he financed 100% of it. And, you know, it, it, it just shows you it's out there. It doesn't, it that is. was our only deal this year that we got seller financing on, and we offered it on all of them that we've been looking at and missed out on a lot of deals because it just wouldn't pencil out without that, you know, seller financing piece. But it's like you said, it's all, it's out there. And I think it's more yeah. prevalent now. Yeah. And I never say, you know, I never, I never lead with, Hey, owner financing. I always, you know, go through all the details and mm-hmm. um, bring that up later. Like kind of the approach of what do you plan on doing with the money? Right. Um, and kind of get their story and what their direction is. And then just, kind of casually bring it up as, you know, well, what have you thought about, you know, making a little extra money and carrying the note, um, be in the bank, but yeah, it, yeah, be the bank, but, uh, it's definitely a much bigger deal now than it has been even a year ago. So totally, totally. Um, what mistakes in mobile home park investing have you made that we could learn from? Oh boy. Um, well, generally I'm pretty cautious. I've made, I've made some, um, uh, for sure, probably not hiring quick enough. You know, always, I'm always trying to be conservative, right? I'm like, like if I can, if I can save this, if I can not buy this or hire, you know, spend this much money and, and it's probably, probably hurt me more than it's helped me. Hard to say, but uh, being too thrifty has probably been uh, is, is a big mistake that I've done in the past, you know, hiring Joe, Joe Schmo instead of the pro probably been a, definitely a mistake. I seem to keep repeating, um, not learn for that one. Some markets are easier to find a professional in than others. But yeah, that one has bit me quite a few times. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. Cause it's also like, you know, when you're looking to find a contractor to work on, you know, renovating a mobile home, for example, you know, it's more of the chuck in the truck type of, you know, handyman guy. It's not right. the licensed, you know, uh, general contractor that's, you know, working on other big projects and he's, he's legit and has a track record. So right. it could be a little bit tougher, but, uh, you know, especially remote when you're trying to do that stuff. So I, I agree with you on that. We've made mistakes there for sure. What would you say are like the most important things, passive investors, you know, we're talking like people that are just investing in other people's syndications or funds. What do you think is most important for them to you know, look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Sure. Well, you know, obviously the, the reputation and, and um, experience of the, of the operator they're investing with. I don't personally invest with other people and it's all 100% for me owned. Uh, not that it's that I wouldn't consider that, but um, I mean, I would, I would look to somebody like, you know, yourself that's I mean, out there doing it, has been doing it for quite a while um, and has just a good track record and not afraid to tell you what they did wrong. Um, somebody you know, says, Hey, uh, we've, you know, we've bought this, this, and this, and it's all gone perfect. I would, I would just run for the Hills. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you yeah, for that. I, I appreciate it. Cause yeah, we've definitely made mistakes and I mean, you know, I think you just, it's learning from them, you know, that's yep. the, that's the key for sure. Um, and conservative numbers too, right? Like, like these performers that are just pumped up, um, you know, we're going to raise the rent 250 bucks out of the gate and all these, all these just, you know, really hopped up performance. I just, it's they're just not realistic, not sustainable, especially in a, if the economy changes, which we're seeing now. Totally. Let's jump into that and talk about what you think the future looks like, you know, with what interest rates are doing and, you know, a possible recession, uh, you know, mobile home parks, 
you know, do have a fragile tenant base, you know, like it, they, they can be fragile. They're the most fragile, right? That this is affordable housing. So how do you think, you know, things pan out over the next 12 to 24 months? Well, yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think mobile home prices have really, uh, you know, jumped here recently, which has kind of jolted the whole, you know, the whole infill model. And I think, every, you know, everything has gone up so fast, you know, from lot rent to, you know, utilities, food, all, all of it, that I think everybody's still kind of trying to f- see where they're going to land, like what's the new normal. And it just feels like everybody's in limbo, right? Like a lot of my sales right now are kind of, uh, kind of a little bit muted right now. I feel like everybody's, uh, you know, hanging out, seeing what the interest rates are going to do. Where we're going to go, I don't know. Um, I definitely, I mean, I've been calling for a recession for a long time. So I, you know, I kind of feel like I've been crying wolf for a while, but it's got to happen. I mean, you know, every seven years, it's on average, is supposed to happen. And it's been a long time since we've had one. So I think it's inevitable, especially with the rates keep going, keep going up. Um, as far as like the MH, I would really like to see some more modern designs uh, to that standard box that we've had since 1990. Uh, really, they don't look much different. And I think if we could get, you know, some good design, I know there are some companies, but I'm talking like the, the majority of, of the, the manufacturers. Ones, right. Like not right. the ones that cost 150 grand from the factory. Exactly. About, you know, the 50K or so costs. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah, change a roof line, add some trans, you know, just just change something um, and and change it up a little bit. I think it would help bring in uh, more people to uh, MH that you know that when they drive through it, they think, well, this, this looks like the same thing it did in 1990, and it looks like a trailer, and I don't want to live in it. Um, if it looked like a modern, you know, tiny larger home, actually tiny home square footage, yeah, right. If oh. it looked like a large tiny home, if you will, I think. I think people would flock to it. And for some reason, we just, we just don't see it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that would be really cool. I think it, I think it might be coming. There's a guy that I follow on LinkedIn. Who's like, he, he built a whole development down in Texas, like around a lake. And it was like nice. 300 lots and they were all like very trendy, you know, like the roof line was like one pitch instead of having a double pitch. And it was, it was just very trendy. I can't, I can't think of his name right now, but it was like a whole resort type of a mm-hmm. theme and it, it looked really nice. So what could be possible is there. It's just right. like making that more mainstream and getting the, the manufacturers on board. Right. And, and it, that probably works way better in, you know, um, in, in a real high end market. Yeah, Austin, uh, Texas I'm, type of market. Yeah. Right? I'm talking, you know, a little bit more rural Iowa. Like I want a bit, I want it to be affordable for for my tenants in, in rural Iowa or or yeah. rural, you know, Wyoming. So yeah, different different, you know, different deal there. But yeah, because you know, I think as a park owner, one thing you need to look at is like, you know, okay, I'm going to bring in 17 homes into this park, you know, that we just bought in Nebraska. Well, you got to get on the phone and you got to find out like how far away are the manufacturers from your park. Like that's what people overlook is like, okay, yeah, the homes cost 50 grand. Perfect. You know, that's, you know, I can put down 10%, you know, that'd be great. Oh, well, it's going to cost $7,500 to tote these homes from the factory to your park. And that's a lot of money, you know, to, to not account for. That's not an actual hard cost of the home. So, you know, in the Midwest, there's not a lot 
of of plants that do beyond the basic design you know the basic kind of setup that's exactly right it's a struggle yeah i mean i i i get look at the prices of the price sheets of the manufacturers send me i'm like cool and then i'm like oh yeah it's five to six grand to get it delivered and it's like yeah "Ah, that really adds a chunk it does it does yeah patrick what do you think the biggest threat to mobile home park investing is a good economy i don't know um you know the threat to mobile homes I, I guess regulation could could uh, you know could be a, a big factor with all these uh, news articles of you know everybody raising rents. Um, I, I could see some regulation coming down that would would hurt, uh, probably be designed to help, but it would actually hurt. You know, uh, Frank talks a lot about that as well in his in his talking. But yeah, yep. there's these bad egg you know, investors that are in, you know, big towers in New York City that have never stepped a foot in the park that just right. come in and send out an intro letter to the to the tenants and say, hey, your rent's going up $250 a month. You know, you got 60 right. days and then your rent's going to be $250 a month higher. And they do no right. improvements. And I saw it firsthand on a community in Illinois where literally their whole plan was to like scrap it. They wanted people to not be able to pay it so they could scrap it and redevelop it and like bring in, you know, a a whole new look for the park. But it's just like that, that is what's giving the industry a black eye. You know, operators like you and I, they come in and add value and, you know, clean up the streets and the landscaping and fencing and signage and, you know, the home quality, you know, that's where we deserve a a bump in rents, but we're not talking $250 a month, you know, two months after you buy the place. That's insane. Right. And I think Iowa is one of the States that had the issue. I know there was a, something that went on the docket. I don't know. How did that end up? Well, it was actually in the same County as, as one of my parks, one of my first parks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it really raised um, a stink, and of course, Iowa Manufactured Housing Association has been involved in that. And they've, I've got some communication from them. They're, they kind of send stuff out saying, "Hey, you know, I'm not pointing anybody out, but uh, this is really getting on the radar of the wrong people, and we're fighting against it." But um, yeah, it's you know, it, it's definitely it was definitely an issue. I think it's calmed down now a little bit, but that was during the election. And I, I think even the presidential candidates uh, caught wind of it and, and made mention of it. So it, it raised, it definitely raised some eyebrows. I got some tenants I, out of the deal. People left parks and I've got some tenants out of the deal, but. Uh, good. Yeah. Good for you. And that's the thing, right? I would not want to be that guy that no. like is on the front page of the paper and like Nancy Pelosi is like saying your name because you're that greedy landlord, right? Like, Right. Just do it the right way, guys. If it doesn't pencil out and you need to raise rents $250 a month on people, that's not a deal that you should be doing. No. Like, no. Whoever needs to hear that, it's in the, it's into the universe now. Right. And I, and and I have raised rents, different scenarios, you know, I've been fairly aggressive on rents, but I've also, you know, like this one part that I've got in mind, I just, you know, quarter million dollars uh, to replace the entire road. And not with asphalt, I did concrete because it was just a little bit more. And I just decided to go that route and park looks completely different. Um, and yeah, look, did I get complaints? I did. But the people that are coming in, those people that had left are beginning to replace with people that are super happy, happy to pay the new rent, um, thrilled with the way the park looks. Um, and it, there's no chance of it being redeveloped now, you know. 
Totally. And that's the thing, right? Like I'm not against rent increases. I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, you just put a ton of money into that place and it's a win-win, right? Because otherwise it's going to get redeveloped. Like you said, they're going right. to scrap it clean. They're going to build an apartment complex on it or something. And it will not be a mobile home park anymore. And those affordable right. housing units are going to be gone forever. So yeah, I agree. I think there's a, there's a happy medium to be struck somewhere. Definitely. And, you know, like some of the folks that we buy from, um, you know, that you can just tell they're in, they're in autopilot. They don't, they're not raising rents because they know the tenants, they're personally, you know, involved with it. And they just haven't put anything back into the park. They're not keeping it clean. They're not uh, actually bringing homes in is, is one thing that you can do to really uh, change the look of a park. And it's a lot, a lot of work bringing homes in. I mean, you, oh. you, you know, as well as I do. Um, and so, yeah, these folks that don't raise rents and don't bring new homes in, it just the whole park just starts to suffer and just looks tired. Tired. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great, uh, great example. Park-owned homes or tenant-owned homes? What's your What's your preference? Tenant-owned homes all the way. <laughs> I'm with you Obviously, on that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to buy them and you got to hold them and you got to fix them up and you got to put them up for sale and sometimes you got to do rent to own. So you you know it's never. Oh, I don't own any homes. Uh, we own a lot of homes, but we, we, the way I differentiate it is a rent to own or a straight rental. I, the person that wants to straight rent and not put any money down, I don't want anything to do with that, that's that tenant. So we own homes, but they're either rent to own or the inventory, but no straight rentals. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think it just makes it more scalable. You know, you're not running a flat apartment complex, you know, and, and people right. don't realize which I'm surprised, but like, you know, manufactured homes are not built with the same building materials that single family homes are built from. The windows are different sizes. The doors are different sizes. The drywall is thinner. You know, it's, it's a completely different ball game and you gotta like, right. you know, you gotta special order this stuff and it's expensive. Right. So if you're going right. to own all these things, you know, just be ready because it can get pricey real fast. And then again, you're going to have this this equipment coming in but then you're going to hire chuck in the truck because he's the only guy you could get to actually do the work for you know a reasonable price so right yeah it gets crazy um let's see patrick what how could listeners get a hold of you you know if if you uh, they like to do so yeah linkedin is is probably the best bet um like allow a little bit of time i'm not i'm not on there all the time but yeah message me on linkedin is probably the best bet that's fantastic. What's one last bit of uh, advice you would, you know, give like an interested passive investor, a passive mobile home park investor that's never invested before in the asset class? What's like, you know, one tip you'd give them? Just vet out your, you know, whoever you're invested with and, and maybe do, do a little bit of, uh, you know, of research in the, in the industry so that you're a little bit educated as well. You're not just counting on the operator. Um, the boot camp is so affordable and so so much knowledge uh, being given out there for for pennies on the dollar. You go to the boot camp and just get yourself educated, and then and then you know get in the circles and and pick your guy. Um, but just don't invest blindly. That never works, no matter what you're talking about. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I think that's the key. And there's there's a ton of niches in real estate and there's a ton of niches just in mobile home park investing. You know, like yep. there's there's funds and syndicators that just go after small parks, you know, 30 lots or smaller. 
there's a fund out there that's just buying private utility parks right now because those are typically less desirable. There's a fund you know, for opportunity zone mobile home park investing. So you know, find your area that kind of appeals to you and you know, uh, you know, vet the operator. I think you're right. But I think like, like you said earlier, look at the market, you know, best places, is it bestplaces.org? That's a pretty Sperling, Sperling bestplaces.net. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bestplaces.net. You can check, you know, the two bedroom apartment rents. You can check the median home price. And then, you know, definitely ask about the utilities and review, hey, is this city, you know, provided water sewer or is this private? And if it's an operator looking at private, spend the time to make sure that they actually know and have another property that know how to operate a well and the requirements because it's a it's a steep learning curve if you don't and if you, there's fines the, the epa will fine you if you don't have the right you know testing set up and so forth so yeah good good yeah. Uh, good tips and yeah i mean don't don't be afraid to i would say you know jump in on your own and and buy you know a smaller park and, and learn i mean you can do both you can you can own a park and invest in other folks uh in other funds so there's no better way to learn than, than diving in and, and buying one totally totally so tell me you know when when's your next fishing trip people on the show know i i like fishing as well what's what's I, the, what's coming up on the docket I actually just put the fishing poles away and I've got the, the backpacking solo sheep hunt coming up here in less than a week. So I'm weighing awesome. gear and, and packing food and weighing out everything and getting ready for a, uh, a, a strenuous backpack hunt solo. So that is so awesome, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck on your hunt and I hope you, uh, you know, I hope you, hope you get what you're looking for. Do you go for just Perfect. one or do you go for a couple of the, the sheep? Well, de- it depends on where you go, where I'm going. Uh, yeah, there's, there's multiple species uh, available. We are, we're very fortunate here in Alaska where you can, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a buffet line of opportunity when it comes to fishing and hunting. Uh, lots of salmon, lots of, lots of venison to, to have. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, be safe and have fun. And thanks for coming on the show, Patrick, to uh, share some golden nuggets with our listeners. Absolutely. Thank, appreciate you having me on. And, and uh, yeah, best of luck to everybody out there. Thanks again. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.